Job chapter 1, we're going to read verse number 1. The Bible said, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect. That doesn't mean sinless. It means he was complete. He was mature. He was a whole man. He lacked nothing. This man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Let's pray. Father, we bless you. We thank you for the good youth choir singing. Bless my heart. Thank you for the good congregational singing. Bless my heart. Thank you, Lord, for good Sunday school hour. Thank you for the good reports from the jail services and how you blessed in them. And God, thank you for just being a good God. Now, Father, help us from the Word of God. Lord, sitting here this morning, there's vast differences of people. There are people that are on different levels spiritually. There are people that are different levels intellectually. There are people that are in tune with the Spirit of God and those who are not in tune with the Spirit of God. There are folks who are saved and ready to go to heaven, and there are folks who are not saved and not ready to go to heaven. There are folks who are saved and on fire for God, and there are folks who are saved and yet not on fire for God. And Lord, in spite of where we live and what we've went through this week and what pressures are on us and what pressures the week coming hold for us, Lord, you've placed us in this place this morning for such a time as this. So I pray for the next few minutes you'd arrest our attention. I pray you'd put a hedge about us. I pray that you would not allow the devil to distract or disrupt in the service. I pray that the Lord Jesus would be high and lifted up. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would speak to hearts and reveal the truths that you've revealed to my heart to equip us to be all that we can be for Jesus in these days. Lord, bind the powers of hell, and God get glory to your name. We'll bless you for it, for it's in the holy name of Jesus we ask it all. Amen and amen. I want you to notice a few things about Job. And by the way, if you're a student of the Bible, you know the book of Job is the oldest, Bible, uh, oldest book written in the Bible. You said, well, I thought Genesis was. That's what you get for thinking. That's why you're to study. Uh, Job was written before Genesis. But let me give you some things about this man named Job. First of all, notice his testimony in verse number 1. He's a man who's perfect, he's upright, he feareth God, and he sheweth evil. That means he has a deep hatred for anything uh, that is against God. I mean, what a testimony. Uh, can I say that I have been saved 49 years? Can I say that I've been in church for 60 years? Can I say I have met some great Christians? Can I say that I have met some great men of God? But I don't know if I've ever met anybody that was as close to God as Job was. So we see his testimony. Notice Job's temperament. Look at verse number 5. The Bible says, And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about, 
that Job sent and sanctified them, whose children, and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Uh, thus did Job continually. Uh, notice his temperament or his character. Uh, Job not only sacrificed to God and worshipped God on his own behalf, uh, but Job said, Hey, uh, Maybe my children have even sinned against God. And Job, in his own character, uh, offered up sacrifice continually, even for his children. Uh, thanks be unto God for moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas uh, that constantly pray for their children, uh, constantly uh, worship God uh, in hopes that their children one day will live for God and worship God. Uh, thanks be unto God uh, uh, for grandparents and parents uh, who don't quit, uh, who blaze the trail for their own children. We see his testimony. We see his temperament. Now notice Job's trustworthiness. Look in verse number 6. The Bible says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. It's talking about angels. And Satan came also among them. You thought Satan was in hell. You know the earth is his domain. He's the prince and power of the air. But there was a day when he came before the throne of God. What did he do? Look at verse 7. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Satan was looking for somebody to devour. That's what he does. He walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now notice the trustworthiness of Job. Look in verse number 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there's none like him in the earth? a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him uh, and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Uh, thou hast blessed the work of his hands and the substance, uh, and his substance is increased in the land. Uh, put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face." Uh, and the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath uh, is in thy power. Uh, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Satan didn't bring Job up to God. God brought Job up to Satan. And notice uh, when Satan uh, began to accuse God about being so good to Job. Hmm? Listen. We can stand and testify how good God's been to us. Don't think for a second that the devil don't know that. Hmm? The devil said, you got a hedge about him. Said, let the hedge down, he'll curse you to your face. Notice the trustworthiness of Job. God brought Job up. God lowered the hedge. God allowed Satan access to Job because God trusted Job. Now listen, I hope as your pastor, I've earned your respect, and I hope that you trust that I'm a man of God. But I'd much rather God trust me. Hmm? And can I be honest? There are days he can't trust me. Hmm? Oh, I know he can always trust you. 
But I'm just being honest. There are days I'm glad for a hedge about me. We see his trustworthiness. Now notice Job's testing. We're going somewhere. Hang with me. Look at verse 14. The Bible says, And there came a messenger unto Job, and said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them, and the sabiums fell upon them, and took them away. Yea, they've slain the servants with the edge of the sore, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, there came another, uh, uh, also another, and said, The Chaldeans made out uh, three bands, and fell upon the camels, and carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, uh, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee can I say that Job was the richest man in the east and he wasn't rich because of how much he had in the bank he was rich because of what he possessed and in one day all of his livestock is gone everything that caused him to be wealthy was gone one day he was tested but then notice his tragedy Look at verse 18. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy, da thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. Uh, and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. Uh, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. Uh, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. He lost all of his finances, but in that messenger, he lost his family. The very ones that he offered up sacrifice for continually, all ten children are gone. Job lost all he had and went to ten funerals in one day. But notice Job's triumph. Look at verse 20. Then Job arose and he cursed God. Is that what the Bible said? That's how I know Job wasn't a Baptist. Then Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and did what? Can I say, God's been good to you. God's allowed you to come to church today, and some of you haven't worshipped. He worshipped. Verse 21, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, nor, char nor charged God foolishly. Where's that prosperity gospel in that right there? Hmm? You talk about some perspective. Job said, I came in this world naked, I'm going out naked. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mercy. What perspective. I'm going to preach with God's help this morning on this thought. I'm going to preach on how Satan attacked Job. How Satan attacked Job. Now, I was in my office yesterday and and all this was stewing in my mind and 
the Lord just directed me to, and I told my Sunday school class this, the Lord directed me to a book sitting on a bookshelf. I know it sat there at least three years, maybe longer than that. I've never cracked the cover on it. The Lord said, look in that. And I opened it up, flipped a couple pages, and I thought, wow. I don't know why we get dumbfounded when God just does something, but we do. I'm glad God knows where we're at. I know, I'm glad He knows the thoughts, the intents of our heart. I'm glad He knew what He was dealing with me on. The book uh, 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 was written by Thomas Brooks. He was a Puritan writer that lived from 1608 to 1680. So he's been in heaven for 350 years. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Let me give you the devices that Thomas Brooks wrote about over 350 years ago, probably closer to 400 years ago. Thomas Brooks said the devices Satan hath to draw men to sin are these. First of all, he presents the bait, yet he hides the hook. The devil, he'll lure something, some bait out there, but he never shows you the hook he's going to get you with. Hmm? Thomas Brooks said that he draws men to sin by painting sin with virtue's colors. He takes the blackness and the wickedness of sin and he paints it up in a pretty picture. Hmm? Brooks said this, he draws men to sin by extenuating, by the extenuating and lessening of sin. He makes sin not look as bad as what it is. It's really not that bad. God will tolerate that in your life. Can I help you with something? God don't tolerate sin in anything. God hates sin. And he's angry with the wicked every day. Brooks said that he draws men to sin by presenting the best sins and hiding their virtues. He doesn't show you the end result of sin. He said that he draws men to sin by presenting God as one made up of all mercy. God is a God of love. He will never put anybody to he in hell. He will never judge anybody according to sin. That's the philosophy of the day. Brooks wrote about it some 400 years ago, my dear friends. Can I say God is love, uh, but God is also uh, a God of judgment. Uh, and hey, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Can I say... Brooks also said that he draws men to sin by presenting that the work of repentance is an easy work. Can I say independent Baptists all over this country have created a one, two, three, repeat after me, you're going to heaven philosophy. Can I say repentance is not an easy work. Uh, uh, repentance hangs you over hell and lets you see you're lost uh, on your way there. Uh, deserve to go there. Uh, but there was a loving Savior who left, Cal uh, left uh, glory, uh, went to Calvary, uh, and died in your place uh, and shed His blood for you. Uh, and the only hope for you to escape hell uh, is to repent and ask God to forgive you of your sins. Uh, 
There's nothing easy about that. I want to tell you something. Conviction wears on you. What we've done by telling people they're saved is we've made them twofold the child of hell. Now you've got to get them lost before you can get them saved. Thank God salvation. Being saved, it's easy to get saved. But you've got to get lost first. And repentance will take you to your lost condition. Can I say, Brooks wrote that Satan draws men to sin by making the soul bold to the ventures of sin. Today you see people wear shirts, no fear. They'll do anything, try anything, because they think there's no consequence for it. Choices have consequences, friend. Mm. Mm. Brooks also said that Satan draws men to sin by presenting the outward rewards vain men enjoy. How many young men born in, in, in the ghetto areas of this nation turn out to be hoodlums because they see other hoodlums and think, look what I can drive, look at what I can wear around my neck, look at what I can attain if I get involved in that lifestyle. How many times have you heard, he that has the most toys wins? The only one that wins is he who has Jesus. Can I say, Brooks said, Satan draws men to sin by presenting the crosses, the losses, the reproaches, the sorrows, and the sufferings that daily attend to those that walk in the ways of holiness. Those that live godly shall suffer persecution. And the devil points out when you're bearing your cross, look at the miserable, penniless, petty life that you live. It's not worth much. Look at all the suffering they went through. Their God must not be that good. What they do not understand is that with every trial, with every mile, with every heartache, with everything we face, we never do it alone. There is somebody with us who actually sustains us and carries us while we're carrying our cross. The devil's a liar and the father of it. He draws men to sin by working to frequently compare oneself and their ways to those worse than themselves. He's real good about pointing somebody else out that's worse than you so you'll stay in your current state. Hmm? He draws men to sin by polluting and defiling the judgments and sowing errors in the scriptures as to allow for looseness and wickedness. I'd like to have a dollar for every time I've heard somebody say, well, God didn't really mean that. No, God meant what he said and said what he meant. Hmm? He draws men to sin in or, uh, by uh, causing one to keep wicked company. You run with wicked people, they're never going to point you to the Lord. And again, he wrote those well over 350 years ago. And those devices Satan still uses today. There are three truths I find and how Satan attacked Job. I want to draw your attention back to verse 14. There came a messenger to Job and told him the oxen and the asses were gone. The Sabians had taken them. And then verse 16, we find that fire falls and the sheep are gone. 
And in verse 17, we find the camels are gone. We find all the livestock is gone. And then we find the children are gone. Why did Satan take the livestock before he took the children? Brother James, I don't know much about you, but, but I believe if I want to hit you in the heart the worst, I'm going after Jake and Kelsey first. I'm not going after your sheep. Why did he go after the livestock and then he went after the children? The first truth that I find in how Satan attacked Job if the devil can get your offerings, he'll get your others. You see, we find that Job is a perfect and an upright man that feareth God and eschews evil. We find that he even offers up sacrifice on behalf of his children. The first thing the devil went is he took his sacrifice away. He took his offerings away. Yeah, and mighty friends, if he gets your offerings, he'll get your others. Uh, 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 listen, uh, 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 my dear friends, uh, 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 how many times has Satan tried to attack your offering? Uh, you're offering a sacrifice uh, where you'll sacrifice for the Lord. Uh, you'll give him a little extra time. Uh, you'll spend a little extra time in the Word, a uh, little extra time uh, meditating on him, a uh, little extra time serving him, uh, doing something you really don't have time for, but you'll sacrifice because uh, it's important uh, and uh, you want to do something for God. Uh, not only your sacrifice, uh, he'll take the offering of your supplication. Uh, he wants to stop your prayer line at all costs. Uh, how many times uh, have you been uh, uh, felt of God and moved of God to pray uh, and pray for the power of God and pray for God to move in the service and pray for a loved one, pray for a sinner, uh, pray for somebody. Uh, not only the offering of sacrifice and the offering of supplication, uh, but your offering of silver. Uh, how many times have you felt compelled to give a little bit more for missions, uh, give a little bit more for a cause, a little bit more. Uh, what I'm saying, uh, most people, uh, if he can stop your offerings, uh, he'll get your others. Uh, you get stingy with your time, get stingy with your prayer life, get stingy with your silver, and watch and see if for long he's got everything else that's important to you. First he goes after your offering, then he gets your others. Hmm? Because if he goes after your others first, you still have something to offer. He took your offering first, then he got the others. That's how he got Job. That's how he attacked him. That's how he'll attack you. See, when you don't feel like you have anything to give, he has you right where he wants you. And his brother James sings that song, God doesn't want you, Isaac. He wants you. And when you realize that, you're a step up on the devil. Too many people are so short-sighted, you still think it's about things. And you still think it's about what you have to offer God. And once the devil takes your offerings, you're lost. You don't know what to do. Let me help you something. God doesn't need our help. 
He's God. He's the self-sustaining God. He doesn't need our help, but He does allow us to get in on what He's doing. First, the devil went for his offerings. Then he took his others. And if the devil can get your offerings, he'll get your others. The second truth I see in how Satan attacked Job, if the devil gets your worship, he'll get your will. Look again at verse number 20. Then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground and worshipped. The devil was not expecting that. He was expecting him to curse God because he took his offering and his others. But he didn't get Job's worship. If he would have got his worship, he'd have got his will. What was his will? Verse 21. Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this he didn't sin. Why? Because his will was to please God. And he did so by worshiping. I've heard people say, well, if I had a bigger offer to give, I'd worship God more. No, you wouldn't. Job didn't have an offering. But he worshiped anyway. He got down on his face and he thanked God in the midst of the worst storm that any man's ever been through. Some of you stub your toe and your world falls apart. Some of you get a hangnail and you want everybody in the church to pray for you, but somebody else goes through a tragedy and you can't be found to pray for them. Can I say every thorn that comes into your life comes into your life to cause you to worship? Because you deserve worse than that. And God stopped with just the thorn. If the devil gets your worship, he'll get your will. What is your will this morning? You see, God gave us all a will. And our will is to be like Jesus' will. You know what he said? Not my will, but thine be done. God help us to learn what John the Baptist say. He must increase, I must decrease. See, we've got a 24-hour day job beating down that inward man or that outward man to submit to that inward man. To let our will come under subjection to the Lord. But vanity and pride. Oh, that old man likes to creep up. Mm. And what happens when trials come, a lot of times people reveal what their real will is. We get angry. Angry at people, angry at God, miserable. Uh, you can always tell somebody's had a wonderful week. Come in, they don't want to shake your hand. They don't want to say, rah, 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 rah. Uh, Those are the ones I let Brother Randy shake their hand. If you can get your worship, you get your will. Final truth I see in how Job was attacked by Satan. If the devil gets your humility, he'll get your home. 
Look at chapter 2, verse number 7. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. Look what Job does. And he took him a pot sheared to scrape himself withal. And he sat down amongst the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What, shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. Notice, after Job worshipped, in verse number 1, the devil goes back before God. The devil don't give up easily. And so the Lord permits the devil to smoke Job with boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. They said they were sore boils. I had a boil one time. That was enough. Hmm? Didn't need them all over my body. He had them all over his body. Notice Job's humility. Verse number 8, he takes a pot shear. That's just a broken, charred piece of glass. Piece of pottery that's been broken. And he scrapes himself. Can you imagine the pain and misery he's in? He's scraping the boils. I mean, he doesn't have any lidocaine. He don't have any numbing agents. He don't have any. He's got pain and more pain. And he's scraping these boils off of this pot shear. But look where he's at. And he sat down amongst the ashes. He's in the place where he used to sacrifice, Brother Clint. But he doesn't have any animals to sacrifice anymore. All he has now is himself. A boiled up, messed up, heaping sore, messed up, sorry, no good, broken hearted. His family's gone. His flocks are gone. Everything's a mess. And he sits down in the ashes. What humility. He's saying, God, I, this is all I got, and it's a mess. But all I have and all that I am, it's yours. And he sits down where he used to sacrifice. If the devil could have got his humility, he'd have lost his home. So how do you know that? Listen to what his wife says. Do you have any integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? Let me qualify this for a second. She's not being a smart aleck. She's not being a, a mean and nasty witch. Amen. This woman's broken hearted. She's buried ten children too. And can I say, she's looking at her husband who is an absolute putrefying mess. Hmm? I don't know what comes out of boils, but I'm sure it isn't pretty and I'm sure it don't smell good. He's got them from the top of it and he's just been slicing them. He is an absolute wreck to look at. And she is coming to him in pity and in love. She's not telling him, you need to curse God and die. She is broken, and this comes out of her brokenness. Dost thou not retain thy integrity? She said, how much more are you going to take? Why don't you just end this now? Curse God and die. 
That's the only home he's got left is her. But notice, in his humility, he says, you speak like one of the foolish women. He, see, he says, you speak like one of them that's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. He said, is it one thing for us to receive good at the hand of God and not to receive evil? What he did is he said, honey, we've had it so good for so long. We've been so blessed. This is just a pit stop. In any way, God does all things well. He protected his home that day because he was humble. If God gets your humility, it'll cost you your home. You bow up and say, boy, bless God, I'm going to do this. God can't do this to me. I'm going this way. Yeah, go ahead. It'll cost you your home. But in his humility, he saved his home. Now listen, in all of this, and you read the next 32, 33, 34 chapters, you'll find that Job couldn't find God. He looked for him. He couldn't find God. Job couldn't feel God. You know, I know a lot of people, boy, I'll seek God early and find Him. You may not. And I know, well, if I can just feel God, they got that touchy-feely religion. You know, I know some people, as long as I got peace, he didn't even have that. He wasn't indwelled by the Holy Spirit like we are. He couldn't find God. He couldn't feel God. He couldn't figure out what God was doing. Keep in mind, this was all a deal between God and Satan. Job never got a word from the Lord saying, Hey, Job, watch out. It just hit him. And can I say this? He couldn't find God. He couldn't feel God. He couldn't figure out God. But listen, he didn't fault God. Nowhere did he fault God. He went on to say, Though he try me, I shall yet come forth as gold. Now listen, I'm about done, I want you to listen to these statements God gave me. God didn't have to equip Job in the trial because he had equipped Job before the trial. God doesn't wait till you're in the middle of a mess to give you what you need. God does that before he allows the mess to come into your life. Now listen, those who fold or consistently fail in their trials do so from a lack of faith or because they have a distorted view of God and His purpose for their lives. Friend, Job goes on to write that man's days are few and full of troubles. And none of us sign up for a hard time. None of us sign up and say, God, dump some trials on me this week. None of us sign up and say, God, let me see how much I can take. No, we're begging God for the opposite. We're begging God for His help, for His touch, for His peace, for His presence. We never sign up for a hard time. But friend, make no mistake, if you belong to God, you're in His hand, in Christ's hand, Christ's hand's in the Father's hand. Nothing can come to you unless it comes through God's hand. And if it comes through God's hand, He has equipped you to handle it. Whether or not you do.
is based on your trust in Him. God found Job trustworthy, but Job found God trustworthy. And whether or not the trial overcomes you is based upon how much faith and trust you have in God. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I wonder this morning, say, preacher, I'm going through a hard time. You might be in a good place. You might be where you're about ready to see how good God is in your life. The devil only fears those who walk with God. And he only fights those he fears. So if he's on your back, you're probably in pretty good shape with the Lord. Just keep trusting the Lord. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. It may be not that God needs to know how much faith you got. God may be proven to you how much faith you got. Just trust him. Just yield to him. Listen, nobody likes giving the devil free ride. But if he's uh, jumping on your back, just run to Jesus. He'll jump off sooner or later. He don't like confronting Jesus. Keep your eyes on the Lord. If your life is a constant roller coaster, you're up and down, up and down, in and out, up and down, up and down, it's more about your character, not God's character. Why don't you get in the altar today and say, God, help thou my unbelief. Maybe you're here today, and you just need a word from the Lord. God didn't speak to Job, but that doesn't mean he won't speak to you. Maybe you need to come and ask him for a word. Maybe this morning, you just need to come and thank him that he's helped you in your trials. Maybe this morning, God's revealed to you that you don't know him. You put your faith in the wrong thing. Why don't you come put your faith in the Lord? He'll change your life. And can I say, as bad as Job had it in that chapter, read the end of the book. God blesses him with twice as much as he had before because he stayed true to God. And neighbor, I promise you, when we step off over into glory land, you ain't going to believe what all God's got in store for you. You know what you'll say? It was worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it. I don't know why God gave me this thought this morning, but I know somebody needs it. And if you're here today and you need something from God, the altar's open, and he will hear and answer prayer. So let's all stand this morning. Brother Clint, come get a song of invitation. While they pick out a song, God speaking to your heart, you come. Let God have his way. You're here today not saved. Why don't you come? We'll get somebody to take a Bible, show you how to be saved. Tired of being lost, you can be saved today. Folks are coming. They're picking out a song. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the end samples contained therein. Lord, I don't know how Job was able to go through all Job went through, but Lord, there's been things I've went through looking back. I don't know how I got through them outside the hand of God. Lord, I bless your holy name.
Lord, I pray for that one that's struggling right now. I pray for that one whose faith is dim. I pray for that one who may be in the clutches of, of the devil himself. I pray you'd give victory this morning. I pray you'd do a work in people's hearts and lives. Lord, maybe somebody's on the mountaintop. I pray you'd build up their faith because we know there may be a valley just ahead. God, I pray you'd do a work in people's lives, but especially if there's somebody lost and undone, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. I pray the sweet Holy Ghost of God, through love and through conviction, would draw them to an altar of repentance. Have your will and way now, Father. We'll bless you for it, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Did you know that you could receive a daily devotion every morning in your inbox? Head on over to ibcflorence.com and click on Daily Devotions to sign up today. And as always, thanks for listening.